Support comes from Kenmore Air, offering escapes to the beautiful San Juan Islands this spring. Convenient daily 45-minute flights to San Juan Island, Orcas, and Lopez Islands from only $169 per person one way. Bookings available now at KenmoreAir.com. Hey, good morning. It's Paige Browning. It's Monday. This is Seattle Now. Seattle's Pea Patch Community Gardens are in rest mode this time of year, but the gardeners are celebrating a huge success right now. Community Gardens just wrapped up a year in which they donated 33,000 pounds to local food banks. That's about 60,000 servings. So to celebrate, we're looking back on a story from last year. 2023 marked the 50th anniversary of Seattle's Pea Patch Community Garden program. For the Yumin ethnic group, these small farms sustain a big share of their family's food. We'll meet some of them, but first, let's get you caught up. We're in the final stretch of these chaotic light rail delays. Construction downtown is scheduled to end a week from today. Sound Transit said it chose this period for repairs because it's historically been less busy in terms of ridership. The agency planned for trains to come about every 26 minutes in the downtown area, but passengers have said it can be a half hour plus. A new emergency shelter for women and children experiencing homelessness is opening up in South Beacon Hill tomorrow. It's a Seattle Union Gospel Mission shelter and has 112 beds. The mission says that they've previously had to turn away 43 women a week on average due to a lack of space. They say this expansion will allow them to provide crucial services to more people. And after a rainy weekend dealing with an atmospheric river, things are warming up a bit to start the week. The National Weather Service says there's about a 60% chance that we'll reach 60 degrees today and tomorrow. Seattle hasn't hit 60 degrees in January for four years. The National Weather Service says these high temperatures are more like late March than January. We probably all have foods that we crave as a reminder of childhood and home. Those foods aren't always easy to come by in Seattle when the meals require fresh bitter eggplant, purple striped green beans, or fresh herbs. Those are staple ingredients on tables of Yumian emigrants from Laos and Thailand. Even if you can find popular Southeast Asian ingredients at a store, Yumian people farmed to survive in Laos and Thailand and crave freshly harvested vegetables. So once a week in Seattle, the Yumian American Association hosts a food bank with tables full of fresh produce. Something I can find, but I want a fresh, you know. Sometimes we buy the store, but that's not fresh enough. Hello, my I just want pick from the uh, the, the plant crackers? and for the cooking pot. Yeah. <laughs> it tastes better when it's fresh. Yes, of course. Moong and Seong sifted through tables of veggies on the day our producer Brooklyn Jamerson Flowers met her. She spent her childhood in Laos and Thailand farming. Now she's a food bank regular, and she farms at the Thistle Pea Patch on Beacon Hill in Seattle. Seattle's Pea Patch program is an institution. The program began with one garden, and now in its 50th year, there are 89 throughout Seattle. Members of Seattle's Yumien community are particularly enthusiastic members of the program and have been for decades. That's because for the Yumien community, pea patches are a key way to access farming, which was central to their lives back in Laos and Thailand. 
We'll take a trip to the patch in a moment, but first we'll head to the community center. Allison Seichow is part of the Yumian community and over the years noticed divisions in Seattle's Yumian population. They're an ethnic group encompassing multiple religions, countries of origin, and families disrupted by the Vietnam War. So Allison started the food bank at the Yumian American Association last year to address one concern she saw universally, food. Well, we started the food program in hopes to unite. So it didn't matter what background you're from, um, what culture, what religion, but, you know, it's like whether you're north, south, doesn't matter what your financial status is, gender, food, we all eat food. So that was why we started with the food as kind of an icebreaker to kind of bring everybody together. Now Allison's president of the Yumian American Association here in Seattle. And for many Yumian people in Seattle, mealtime is all about having fresh food. That's when we get it to the people. They're like, oh, my gosh, that's lottery. They won lottery. There's ginger. There's garlic. And it's fresh, you know. So you can see the smile on their face when it's fresh in there brings it a little more, you know, closer to home that, you know, just like picking up from their garden, they're able to get, you know, more when it's off season from the emergency food. Even Yumian folks who garden attend the food bank seeking fresh food. That's where Allison first encountered Yumian pea patch gardeners. And so I found out that there's all these pea patch gardens and then I started going out there to buy food from there versus from the grocery stores. <laughs> and they are a lot better, and they're more foods that are culturally sensitive. They're they're just used to that kind of food, so they've, um, you know, the vegetables, the beans, they're they're um, not what you would find at the grocery store. Um, and Yumian people, while a small segment of the Seattle population, have farms all over town. And we probably have a fairly good population here of, I'd say, at least a hundred to three hundred pea patch farmers within just our community. Two of them are Muang Toy and her husband. After a stop at the food bank, they headed to harvest some mustard greens from their thistle pea patch. Our producer, Brooklyn, spoke to Muang there through interpretation from Allison. Muang speaks the language Yu Mian. She says she's had plots at thistle for seven years, but has farmed for much longer. So they came from Laos. And in Laos, they, they grow and farm to survive, and that's how they get their, their food supply. So back in Laos, where they um, immigrated from, they would plant rice, because they live on rice. That's their daily uh, meal. Um, and all the vegetables and stuff that they grow is to feed the family and to feed the, the animals, the, the pigs, the horses, so they all, all their farm animals. So they've pretty much farmed all their lives. <laughs> Before they came to Seattle 10 years ago, they were in California, and they did um, strawberry farms. Oh. So always farming of something. That's always second farming. nature to them, yeah. They mainly grow it just so they have food to eat, fresh vegetables to eat. So that's mainly for the family and the kids and grandkids. Yeah, so they have a big extended family. She has eight children. <laughs> Though they farm mostly for sustenance, they sometimes have enough left over to sell. Allison bought a $10 bag of mustard greens from Wong as she and Brooklyn spoke. Where did she sell it? Just here. She was just asking if I wanted to. (laughs) (laughs) And Allison hopes to create more opportunities for pea patch farmers to sell their fresh produce. 
it's a way to unite them as well instead of just at the garden it's a place away from the garden and then there it's also a way for them to comp, you know get some compensation so that they can continue doing what they're doing and get the topsoils and compost or whatever that they need uh, to continue the garden kyle peon has a solution to that he makes his own fertilizer you don't need to buy fertilizer you know like actually you can make it you can make it your own fertilizer Kyle started helping out a pea patch in Columbia City before growing his own food there two years ago. To him, organic food he grows himself is as good as it gets. Does it taste better when it's organic? Oh, yes, yeah. Tastes better, smell better. Kyle tries to teach other pea patch farmers now to make their own fertilizer from weeds and to eat the entire plant. He even offered to teach Brooklyn, our producer. I, I learned from the book because I... I, I when I go back to Thailand, they have the uh, the training class. I go there and then they they teach you uh, teach you to do that, and I get the books from them, and I look at the YouTube. So they they, they teach you all those. He does the extra work and the extra research because he loves it. Because you can enjoy, you can see your 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 your, your fruit you grow. You can see the 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 plants. The vegetable you grow every day, every week, you see, is growing up. So what you put in the little seed, and later, you know, a couple of weeks, and you see the pop out the seed, and then you see them growing. It's happy, yeah. Moong and Seong, who we first met at the food bank, is also a farmer. She's had a plot for three to four years at Thistle. Normally, I grow um, chili pepper, and I grow eggplant. Bitter eggplant, squash, yeah. And one of the foods that came up over and over for her and other farmers was corn. Allison loves it too. Mawang warned that some people love it enough to steal it from the thistle pea patch. We, the one who work very hard, and next day coming all the vegetable gone. No. Yes. Sometimes we plant the corn. Next day come, corn's gone. I'm very upset, but Dino is my hobby. I love to work in my garden. When I'm a little kid, live in my country, Laos and Thailand, I've been plant and I've been harvest. Then I nobly are stealing. (laughs) In finding the pea patches, Allison discovered a whole community of Mian elders. I think it gives the seniors or all the people that do do that their one common, uh, they have something in common. They all farm. And so they're all there and then they're all sharing their, you know, um, their seeds, their plants, their, you know, oh, you've got this one. I don't have this one yet. And they're just sharing everything. So it's, it's just a great way to, for them to unite and come together and then sharing the plants, sharing the dishes. The next step for her is to bridge the gap between immigrant Yumian elders and younger generations who were born here to pass on the legacy of their culture. The pea patch garden also helps with that, you know, so the kids get to go out there, they get to see what it is. Then we'd like to open up the community center here at IMA with the cooking sessions so they can know actually this is from the garden to your kitchen, this is how you prepare the dishes, and so they can carry on that cultural um, food that this city and being able to preserve how we uh, our cultures and how we cook each dish that they so much enjoy eating you know but they don't know the whole process of it so 
Allison does it herself through gardening at home with her daughter. It's a habit she started with encouragement and seeds from Yumi and Pea Patchers. Handing off the culture, so my daughter now knows, and she's like, oh yeah, I like that vegetable, I like that vegetable, and so before we would bring it from the pea patch, but now she sees, oh, we have that in our garden, mommy, and it's like, yes, we do, you know. Soon, Allison plans to start a senior meal program using pea patch vegetables to get people of all ages into preparing Mian foods. Lai Thon has been gardening in Tequila for 10 years. Before that, she helped her mother-in-law garden, and before that, she farmed in Laos. And that long history of growing and eating delicious fresh food is getting passed on to her grandchildren. I like to cook uh, the green bean. I still fry them or cook with the cook with the garlic and uh, boil. You dip with the little uh, lemons and pepper. And the corn, I steam it for my grandkids. They love to eat it. <laughs> Food has helped to connect people within the Yumian community. But the food bank has also fostered connections with other communities, which Allison welcomes each week. Oh, is it just for Mian people? Because <laughs> then the Americans will come. We've got the homeless that's coming. We've got the African-Americans. We've got Muslims now that come. So it's the word is out there. These connections are getting non-Mian people excited about Mian ethnic foods. Oh, my gosh. It's like almost an abundance, but yet not enough. So once word is out there and how good their stuff is and the other, like other um, ethnic cultures have tried some of the foods and the corn, like, well, why don't we see this at Safeway? I'm like, they should, but they don't yet. Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. And extra thanks to the generous listeners who financially support the show. This episode was originally produced by Brooklyn Jamerson Flowers. Today's episode was produced by Vaughn Jones. Our production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain-Gomez, Claire McGrain, and Jenny Cecil Moore. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Paige Browning. See you tomorrow. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network.